So who's ready for the word today? Awesome. Well, open your Bibles to John 10, and I'm going to read in the message verses 7 through 10. And it says, I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate, and anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy, and I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So before we get started today, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father God, we just come before you and we lay this message down at your feet, Lord God, and we lay this morning. And I pray that you would plant seeds in the hearts of every person here. Father, you know what each person is going through. You intimately care about the situations in their life. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister freely as you see fit to each person, that you would have your way in here and you would anoint this message and that it would be something that would come forth from you in powerful and mighty. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here at Life Church X, we are very passionate about helping people find their purpose. And so I wanted to talk to you today about blazing a trail of purpose. And the reason why we are so passionate about helping people find their purpose is because we recognize that it's each person who believes in Jesus, who's born again, walking in their purpose that really is the hope of the world. It's each of us doing what we were called to do that's going to change the problems in our country around, going to change the nation around, and then it's going to usher in revival again. And so we want to help people first recognize they have a purpose and then give them tools and equip them to be able to walk in that purpose. And so I'm sure many of you at some point in your life had asked the question like, well, what, what is the purpose for my life? What, what am I here for? And that question is a God-designed question that he placed in the heart of every man. And once we get to a certain age, we all ask that because it was put there to draw us to himself. The only place we can find the answer to that question is in relationship with the Father. And God, I mean, he knows what he's doing because he created us for relationship. And so by putting that question in our heart, it's drawing us into relationship with him. Isn't that amazing? That he wants so much for us to be in relationship with him, that he would create us with a purpose that would draw us to himself. But walking out the purpose for our life isn't always smooth and easy, is it? I mean, oftentimes you don't know where you're going. You usually feel unequipped and unprepared. You kind of feel like Daniel Boone, or at least I do, out there in the westward expansion, macheting through. None of, none of you? No? Okay, that's just me. All right, well, I feel out there. I, I picture myself in these places, I guess. Um, but I certainly don't feel like I always know what I'm doing or like I'm prepared and ready to go. And a lot of times I do it shaking. Can any of you relate to that? Well, as I was thinking about this, I got two pictures um, in my mind, and I, I like to see pictures. It helps me understand things better, so I want to show you one here today. The first one is a road, and it is already carved through the landscape. It's paved. All the potholes have been filled in. The obstacles have been nicely removed out of the way, and all the dangers have been gone. You can jump in your car and drive 100 miles an hour or 60 miles an hour down this road, and you can zip on by all the landscape and scenery. But something that really stood out to me is you can do that, and once you're gone, no one really knows that you were there. Then I got a second picture, and it looks more like this. 
There's no car in this picture, although Kim McBride told me that she would totally take her Jeep in that picture. I said, you're messing up my illustration. Don't tell anybody that. Um, but you would have to take a chainsaw or a machete or something, and you would have to knock out a lot of the obstacles on this path. You would probably come into some pitfalls or ditches or whatever, possibly some venomous snakes or mountain lions, at least poison ivy, right? Some dangers along the way. But this path, once you walked through, you would know that someone's been through that path. The landscape and the scenery would change on that path. Around where I used to live in the Arnold Imperial area, there was a lot of old roads. And those roads were kind of built around the landscape. They were probably some wagon roads that were paved over once we had cars. And so they were kind of dangerous, very narrow, cliffs on the other side, you could certainly fall off. Uh, but as the population grew and things started changing, they started rerouting these old roads. And as that was happening, I realized a couple of things. The first thing I realized is since I was born and raised there, how long I drove on those roads, kind of on autopilot. I just knew all the turns that I was going to make. I knew where all the stop signs were, and I just kind of went along the way, maybe reading a few texts here and there, not too often. But I could get from my house to the store or whatever and not really think about it. But as they started rerouting these roads, I had to start paying attention. All of a sudden, there were stop signs showing up where they never were before, and roads were closed, and I had to take a different path to get to where I was going. And it kind of became a topic of conversation in our family. Did you see that new stoplight over there? Did you see how they closed that road? They moved that entrance, and I don't even know where I'm at when I get there. No, that was just Grandma. That wasn't me. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but anyway, we had to stop and take notice and pay attention to where we are going. And it made me realize that as a Christian, isn't that the life that we are called to live? We're called to live a life to where people are going to notice God in our life. They're going to notice where we're going and what we're doing, and they're going to watch, and they're going to be like, wait, I'm going to see if God's going to show up like she said that he would show up, or if it, he's going to stay true to his faith like he claimed now that the pressure is on. We are called to walk a life to where we're changing the landscape around us. Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth. Have any of you heard that before? It's a really common statement. Now, I don't know, there's probably some bakers in here that already knew this, but I always thought salt is a seasoning, and so it adds flavor, so we add flavor to the world around us. Makes sense, sounds good, right? until I looked into what salt really does. And salt actually doesn't add flavor, but salt does three very important things. Salt enhances certain notes, like savory notes. So when you put salt in a savory dish, it kind of pulls out notes so you can experience them in the fullness and you get the robust flavor that was designed for you to get in that dish. As Christians, we are supposed to come in and we are supposed to enhance the world around us. We are supposed to bring out the goodness of God, point out God and what he's doing in the lives of people, pointing out, I see purpose on your life. I see God moving in your life and enhance the world around us. Salt does something else. Salt also, it balances sweetness. So that's why you put a little salt in your cakes and things like that. I always wonder, why is there salt in cakes? It doesn't make sense. But it's to balance the flavors and blend them all in so it doesn't feel like you're eating different 
flavors. It makes it all meld together, all nice and beautiful, and we get our dessert that we want. And it reminded me of a story I read in a book called Prayer Evangelism. And in that story, there was a group of people that wanted to minister to a neighborhood. And so they prayed about it, and they felt like God said, before you go and minister to that neighborhood, what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to pray around that neighborhood. And so they decided to, once a week, say every Friday at 2, go and pray over that neighborhood before they talk to anybody. After they did that for a time, they started talking to people, and there was this one lady that as they came up to the door, she was like, come in, come in, I, I want to talk to you, I'm so excited. And they're like, what? You know, what? What's going on? And she's like, I've got to tell you that all of a sudden, I started realizing that every Friday at 2, I started feeling the peace, peace. And I didn't know what it was coming. I didn't really realize what it was, but I started feeling peace. And then I noticed that it was when you guys would walk by that I would feel peace. And so I am so excited to hear what is going on with you and what you have to say and what you're doing here. They brought balance. Without even saying a word, they brought balance to the situation. The third thing that salt does is it suppresses certain notes like bitterness. And aren't we called to do that? We're called to come in the authority of Jesus and to push darkness back out of our life, out of our family's life, out of our kids' life, out of the workplace. We are called to take ground for God and push the enemy back. Amen, right? So being called salt is not just some little flavor addition. It is power and it is the authority of God that we are walking in to making a difference. Our salt to this world is the unique path and the unique approach that God has called us to. And just like that group of people where God said, actually, I want you to go and I want you to pray first. There's a plan that God has for you to introduce the world to Jesus. And it's your unique path and your unique approach that's going to be the salt, the enhancement or the balance or the suppression of darkness or whatever he called you to do. And he has a path designed for you to walk out. As I was walking, or as I was thinking back to the roads and driving and, and going on autopilot, it made me realize that when we do that, that we are taking away that unique approach. We are following what the world says to do. We are, we are going the way the world says to go. And by that, we are not actually looking any different than the world around us when we're going on autopilot. And so that's why our unique approach is designed to be attractional, right? It's designed for people to take notice. We're not supposed to always walk the path that has already been paved. And in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So if our purpose is unique, and our path is unique, then we have to walk a unique road. And it made me think of the scripture where the Bible says that we are knitted together in our mother's womb. And if you think about knitting, knitting is not something that you just slap a bunch of pieces together. Knitting is something that it's a little bit at a time. There's a lot of attention and a lot of detail to knitting. And that is the word that God chose when he said how he formed you, that he paid close attention, that he chose your gifts specifically, that he chose your talents specifically for your purpose, that he puts you in the family, for better or worse, 
that you are in for you to walk out your calling in the era of time, like your days are numbered and, and set out and laid out so that you can make a huge impact in your world around you. Now, I'm not saying that we should run all out all rogue, like we a unique path, but that doesn't mean you do it all alone. You know, the Bible tells us there is safety and there is security in a multitude of godly counselors. In fact, Proverbs says that it is foolish to not seek godly wisdom. Paul encouraged us to follow, or Paul encouraged the Corinthians to follow him as he followed Christ. So we are definitely to walk in the footsteps of great men and women who have followed God and made an impact in their life. But what I am saying is that there are going to be points in seasons in our life where we have to venture out into uncharted territories where God alone knows where we're going and where it seems a little crazy and there's not much known that we know. And we've sought godly counsel and we've got confirmation, so we are going to jump out in there and follow God to where he calls us, into the purpose that he has for our life. So this makes me, I enjoy running, and when I think a lot about walking in my purpose, I think a lot about running. And I, and I think I do because the Bible uses running a lot about walking out our purpose. So this is a very godly comparison. Um, no, but when I'm running, uh, I realize that to go further or to go longer, to do something that I've never done before, that there are two things that I really need. More than my physical fitness, I need to have oxygen, and I need to have the right mindset. And I realized that our ability to take in oxygen, and I looked it up, it says if you don't have enough, that your muscles start to cramp, that you start to get tired, or more excessively tired, that your heart starts pumping faster, and it's trying to pump oxygen to all the places in your body that are saying, I need oxygen, and eventually confusion will set in. Same with our spiritual life. If we are not taking in spiritual oxygen, if we're not taking in the word of God, then our muscles are going to start to cramp up. And confusion is going to start to set in. We're going to start saying, wait, why did I venture out into this place anyway? Where am I going? Did I even really hear God? We have to hear the voice of God to be able to walk out the purpose in our life. And we hear the voice of God by first learning what the voice of God sounds like. I know there was a point in my life where I'm like, I don't hear God. Like, he doesn't speak to me. People say he says he speaks all the time, but I think he's missing me. But what I realized is I just didn't realize what the voice of God sounded like, that he really was talking to me, but I needed to learn the character of God. I needed to learn what he did sound like, but also what he didn't sound like, so I can recognize that is not from God. This word tells us who God is so that we can better hear his voice. But we have to hear his voice because what it doesn't tell us is the specific will of God for our life. It doesn't tell us who to marry. It doesn't tell us what job to take. It doesn't tell us if we are supposed to move to China and go into a missionary field, which that was not me for sure. Um, but it's in hearing his voice that we are able to say yes that's what I'm called to do. That's what my purpose is for. This is what this season of my life is for. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, 
and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And if you notice that it said four things, it said teaching, training in righteousness, correcting, and rebuking. Without all four of those, we are not going to be able to fully walk out the purpose that God has for our life. We can't say, I want the teaching and I want the training, but no rebuking or correcting here. And that's what all of us would really like. But we have to have the correcting and the rebuking of the scripture. And whether that's when you read it yourself, whether it's when it's preached by a minister of the gospel, or whether it's by a friend who God has placed in your life to be iron sharpening iron, you have to allow all four of those things to operate in our life so that we can walk out our purpose. The next thing was our mindset. Our mindset. And so if you go to begin to run a, a race longer or faster or to do some challenging course that you've never done before, and you begin that by saying, oh man, I have never done this before. I don't think that I can do it. Last time, like I was out of breath on a much shorter distance, do you think that you're going to be able to finish that race? Most of you do. Oh, well, you guys are amazing. I'm telling you. No. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. Where we place our focus is going to greatly impact the impact we have in the world around us finishing our purpose, walking on the path God has for us. If our focus isn't on that, that actually God is the author and finisher of our faith, it, he is, will never leave us or forsake us. If we aren't taking these promises in and focusing on those and thinking on the things like the Bible tells us that are pure and lovely and godly, then we are going to eventually get to a place to where we don't think that we can do it. We're going to take it into our own hands. We're going to think that we're the author of our journey. And then we're going to say, well, I don't see the provision out there, so I don't think that I can do it, and I must have gotten it wrong. But when we keep our mind focused on God and moving forward and on the things that he's called us to do, then we will better be able to finish our race. I know when I'm running those longer distance, I give myself pet talks. And my grandma used to say, if you talk to yourself, then you're a little crazy. Um, but irregardless, maybe I am. But I would tell myself things like, you know, get to the top of the hill. If you just make it to the top of the hill, you'll be okay. And then when I got to the top of the hill, downhill from here, baby, just keep on moving. This is the easy part. And then make the next house or the next light post until I got to see the finish line. And then when I would see the finish line, it would be like, you're a sissy if you don't make it to the finish line. You can see it now. But that's what we have to do in our journey with God. God, I don't have to see myself making it to the end. I just need to see myself making it to the next place that you called me. The word says that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And when we keep our mind focused on what God has shown us, then he's going to lead us step by step like that lamp all the way to the vision that he has placed in our heart on the other side. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so when we keep our mind 
stayed on God, then he keeps us in perfect peace. When our eyes are there on him and his plans, then we aren't focusing and paying attention to all the stuff that's going on around us. We're keeping our mind focused on him, and he's keeping us in peace, and he is authoring our journey along. But when we do that, it is an act of trust. We're saying, God, I trust you. So I'm going to keep my mind on you because I trust you. And in Psalms 9 through 10, it said, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. So we have a promise right here that if we'll put our trust in God, he will never forsake us. None of us are going to get to the end of our life and say, you know what, God, that decision right there, you, you failed. Like, that was not good for me. We are going to look at every part of our life, every time we trusted him or followed him, and we're going to say, God, you worked it out for good. Because he works out all things for good for those who love him and seek him. When I run, especially, or um, the path to purpose are times when the pressures can seem to be heavy. And I remember one time when I was running, there was a lot of pressures, things that I was dealing with, but it was also a very hot day. So it was kind of like pressure with pressure. Um, But I like hot, like I mentioned earlier, heat is good, cold is bad. And so I was like, I can do this. And so I went and I went for a run. And as I came back, I realized that I, I was overheating a little bit. And if I went inside in the air conditioning, I might pass out. And so I was walking around my yard just trying to cool down. And in the midst of trying to do that, I felt this breeze blow. The heat was bearing down still. Nothing else had changed, but there was this breeze that blew. And when it did, I heard God speak to me and say, I will refresh you by my spirit in the midst of the heat. In the midst of the heat. And God spoke to my heart, and he was telling me, he said, Katie, you're praying for influence. You're praying for impact. And for those people that you're praying for, that they are watching you in the midst of the heat. When you're under that pressure, they are watching you. And I, through this situation, am able to show them my goodness, show them my provision, show them that those who trust in me will not be let down. But if I remove you from that pressure, then it's going to impact your ability to influence people, that your influence is going to be diminished and your impact is going to be shrunk down because it's through that that I am going to use to make a difference in the lives of people. And usually when that happens, it's the lives of people we care about. It's the lives of people we've been praying for and and asking God for. And we're saying, God, touch them and draw them to you. And he says, okay, but their eyes are only going to be open until they see this is real. And can I use you to show them this is real? And are we willing to say yes to that? The Bible says in James 1, 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There is a reward in this life for those who stand steady under the trial. 
And that's the impact that I was talking about and the influence that I was talking about. But the Bible tells us that there is also an eternal reward when we stay trusting in God and we stay faithful to him and we allow him to do what he wants to do in the midst of a trial. And the Bible also tells us that it's in that trial that it produces things in us that we need. It produces character and it produces faith. Through every trial, remember, he works out all things for our good, for our good, not just for the good of people around us, for our good. So even in the midst of that pressure and that trial, we are having things worked out for our good. He's changing things in us to make us more impactful, to, to show us that we can trust him more because we see his faithfulness in our own life. Isn't that amazing? I want to close out and I want to touch on backup plans. And I know for us, when starting out into ministry especially, you know, Matt was very good in business and he had a bunch of businesses and he was good at it. And so when we stepped into ministry, we were walking away from the only provision I had ever known was in business. And it was hard for me to do it. I like security. I am a planner. I have all th everything all planned out. Um, and so to step into this unknown thing that we didn't know if we were going to be good at, that we didn't know if it was going to provide. I mean, you guys have probably heard, you know, the pastors, 90% of them wind up failing out and being overworked and all these statistics that you hear. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm just going to, we're just going to keep this backup plan. We're going to keep... The, the connections up, so just in case it doesn't work out, we can jump right back into some of the things that we were doing. And I realized that what that backup plan did is it kept me kind of anchored back here in the past so that I could only reach so far into the path that God had for me. And I had to get to a place to where I had to let go of that backup plan. And through that process, I realized that for me, I held on to that backup plan for a lack of trust. A lack of trust that God was good, that, that he was really gonna work all things out for my good, that he was gonna take care of me. A lack of trust that I was hearing him. And so my life and my past, like I was born again when I was very young and then I walked away from God. And so I know that God forgave all the people who didn't know any better, but what about the people who knew better and did it anyway? And so I really felt like, yeah, he forgave me, but he's going to like, let, I'm going to have to suffer some consequences for it because everything you do has a consequence. That's what we're told. And so like the plan for my life is going to be a really hard one so that I can be punished. And that's what I thought God saw me at. Like that's what I thought his thoughts were toward me. But I had to get to a place where I realized that when he says you are forgiven, that that is completely washed away, forgiven. The Bible says that he forgives and forgets. And so I think that there's times when we're like, God, will you please forgive me for? And he's like, what? What? I don't know what you're talking about. Because you've already asked for forgiveness 15 times and he's already forgot it. And you're the one who's still remembering it. And I had to get to a place where I was like, God, I am going to trust that you are a good father and that when I step off the path that you're going to be like, honey, come on, let, let's get you back on the path. You stepped off. Wait, wait, hon, hold on, hold on. You made a misstep. Let me turn you back onto your path. 
just like a good father would. He's not going to let us wander out into a ditch and, and be lost and be like, ha, told you, told you you shouldn't have done that. You weren't listening to me like I do occasionally with my kids. I know. Sometimes I have to remember God is a much better parent than I am to my kids. And so, anyway, pray for my children, please. Oh, oh. But he is a good father, and he is not going to let us jump off into somewhere that's going to harm us if we're seeking him and if we're trying to do his will for our life. He is going to keep us on that path. So I had to let go of that backup plan. And I had to say, all right, God, I am jumping into this thing with both feet. And whether I sink or swim, whether we are fantastic or no one wants to hear what we have to say, we're going to follow you. Because all we know is that we believe this is where you're calling us. We believe that you're leading us on this path. And you know what? If we have it wrong, you're going to somehow use this decision and say, I am proud of you anyway. You trusted me. And even though you messed up, I'm going to lead you to where you need to go. And I'm going to put you on the purpose for your life. Isn't that amazing? We serve a good father. A good father. Habakkuk 2.3 says, For still the vision awaits for its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, it will surely come, it will not delay. The vision that God has for your life, it will come. And there are times when it seems slow or when it seems that it's delayed. When we can't see where we're supposed to turn next or how we're supposed to move next, and when you're running and you are going around a turn, you don't run all the way to the outside so you can see as far around that turn as you can. You snug up all the way into the inside of that turn and you run as close as you can to that turn so that you can go as fast as you can and you can have a better time. In moments like this where you can't see what's in front of you, you have to lean in next to God. You have to snug up next to him. You have to remember the promises that he has told you, and you have to lean on them, trusting that what you have sown in your heart, the seeds that he's put there, that he's going to carry you around, and that there's not going to be a giant Mack truck when you come around that turn that's going to hit you, because it's a possibility when you're running. But you trust God that he's got you covered and that he is going to lead you where you are called to go. Amen? Amen. Amen.